Growing up, Saturday afternoons were never boring for me. I spent most of the day playing basketball at a park across the street from my grandmother's apartment in Jackson Heights, Queens. It was called Traverse Park, and this basketball court was basically my babysitter. Today, I live in L.A., and things in Queens have changed quite a bit. But one thing I can say about Queens that has remained the same and hopefully will always remain the same is the bodies of culture. Queens is still like a world within a world. There is so much culture in one place, and that is the appreciation I will always have for Queens, the place I grew up. And today's guest is someone who not only grew up in Queens, but carries a huge responsibility to oversee a portion of the borough. Queens get the money, baby. Like, that, it literally, and I say it all the time, even on the floor of the Senate, I say Queens get the money all the time, because that's why I'm there. This is State Senator Jessica Ramos, a proud daughter of Colombian parents and, of course, a Queens resident. I'm a Queens girl and state senator representing District 13 here in the New York State Senate. That's Jackson Heights, Corona, East Elmhurst, Elmhurst, a little sliver of Rigo Park. And I chair the Labor Committee in the State Senate. Shout out to Queens. New York's 13th State Senate District is quite unique. Take, for example, my grandmother's hood, Jackson Heights, where more than 150 languages are spoken. About 60% of the people there were born outside of the U.S., bringing in culture and cuisine from South America to Asia. And Senator Jessica Ramos reps these residents in the New York Senate. Her backstory is fascinating. Her energy is contagious, y'all, and her fight for her people unmatched, which is why she is with me today. My name is Christopher Rivas, and this is Brown Enough, stories between black and white. And if you are in New York City right now, take that seven train down to Roosevelt Avenue and you will see what I'm talking about. This is a Manhattan-bound 7th local train. The next stop is 82nd Street, Jackson Heights. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. My grandmother's apartment in Jackson Heights was about 20 to 30 minutes away from Forest Hills, where my family lived. That was on a good day. If the MTA wasn't acting up, you know what I'm talking about. I would get off at 74th Street and Roosevelt Avenue, a busy station right below the 7 train, and I would walk a couple of blocks to her place. And if you ask me, the 7 train is this recognizable symbol of Queens. It runs all the way from Hudson Yards, Manhattan, to Flushing, Main Street. And when I think of the 7 train, I think of John Leguizamo and his Broadway show Freak. And every time my father had something important to say, the subway would go by. (laughs) Now, it wouldn't have been a big deal, but we shared a wall with the IRT number 7 line. So my father would be in the middle of a harangue and he'd be like, okay, I'm only going to say this once. (laughs) The most important thing that I want you to do today... But I wanted to know what Jessica thinks are these quintessential symbols of the neighborhood. So we put her through our lightning round of questions. What is your favorite depiction of Queens in a TV show or movie? 
Oh, man. My favorite depiction of queens. I mean, just to play word association, King of Queens was the first thing that came to Yo, mind. Yo, for real, though. <laughs> my eyes are getting weary. My back is getting tight. I'm sitting here in traffic on the Queensboro Bridge tonight. If I think about it, like, that's the most accurate representation and the most consistent. Like, they had the dude living in Queens. Like, you know, Queens don't often get the most love, I feel like. Hey, shout out to Regal Park. Uh, because of redistricting, this January I started representing a little sliver of it. Right. Um, And, uh, well, I, I always appreciate, you know, uh, boosting up our Mets. So that's another factor of the King of Queens that I appreciated. What figure in Jackson Heights should we know about? Osvaldo Guzman. Um, you know, he is better known as Miss Columbia, and uh, he was a neighborhood character who would always show up at parades, would, you know, walk around the neighborhood, and you would even run into him here in Manhattan very often with his dog and his little parrot. He would dress in very extravagant dresses and colored his beard um, and would make uh, very off-color jokes sometimes, um, but always kept the community laughing, and he's greatly missed. I, I, I just came from Colombia, Medellin, Colombia, and I studied to be a lawyer in Colombia for five years. Then after that, it was a lot of problems. When did he pass? He passed away a few years ago now. I actually keep a portrait of him above my desk in my district office in Jackson Heights. That's beautiful. Where in Jackson Heights can I get the best Colombian coffee? Wow. My favorite Colombian coffee is at Miracali, which is the bakery on Roosevelt Avenue and 76th Street. That's my favorite, but I live around the corner from Sewa Sewa, uh, so I end up going there a lot, and it's pretty good, too. Damn, I really do miss my Colombian arepas and empanadas from Queens. It always hit the spot. Jessica Ramos was born and raised in Queens. She always saw herself working in government. Before becoming a politician, she worked at City Hall and has always believed that representation in government matters as someone who was raised by two undocumented parents from Colombia. Her journey becoming a state senator was not easy, but in 2018, she defeated Jose Peralta, who was state senator of District 13 for nine years. What was your tipping point moment when you said, like, you know what, I'm running for senator of my hood, right? Like, this is this is what I'm doing. What 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 hit it for you? Well, my mom told me to stop complaining and do something about it. That's the short story. Um, My predecessor, despite being elected a Democrat, had broken off from the Democrats with a few others and was supporting a Republican majority. Now, as you as many people may know. That part of Queens where we come from is actually the most diverse place on the planet. We speak 200 languages in our part of Queens. We have the second largest LGBTQ community in New York State after Chelsea, Manhattan. We have the largest transgender population in the entire country. None of these people 
are well served by a Republican majority. And so um, I decided to to stop complaining, like my mom told me to. And um, I put my words into action. I decided to run for office myself. And well, now, four years later, I am here serving my third term. When your mom said stop complaining and do something about it, which I love, and then you did something epic about it, uh, did your mom say, that's what I'm talking about? Or did she say, I, I mean, I, mija, calm down. Like, that's not, that's so much. <laughs> no, she said, así sí, así sí es. Um, you know, I had already been a member of my community board um, when I was working in the labor movement prior to being a member of the de Blasio administration. And my dad was on the community board before me. I come from a family that is very community involved, uh, not necessarily politically, but much more civic minded. The topics we, you know, we touched around the dinner table, I don't think are the average, especially back then uh, when Latinos, particularly in Queens, were really fighting to be seen. I mean, all of our representatives at that point, you know, were I, Irish, we're Italian, we're Jewish, and certainly, you know, also had the immigrant experience, but it was it wasn't the same. Um, and and the demographics were really starting to change. Um, we weren't on, the only brown people there, and that has to be said, right? The East Asian and South Asian communities were also being, uh, you know, th- their populations were also increasing. So you know, change was inevitable. Um, and and I think now we're we're in a place where our political representation really does look like us. Jessica always talks about her neighbors as if she knows them, and that's because she does. Jessica says that representing her neighbors in Queens is a privilege, especially those who also have family histories like hers, of people who came to America to make a new life. And this was a huge impetus for her to run for office. So your mom comes to the United States when she's twenty four correct me if I'm wrong, from Colombia by crossing the Mexican border, and your father was arrested in a workplace immigration raid in the 80s. Can you tell me, these stories, are these something you learn later? Are these stories that are given to you off the top that give you some of your courage and your, and your passion and your, like, how does, how does their experiences and lives affect you? I, first and foremost, I just admire my parents for making incredible sacrifices to come to this country. And I do feel an innate responsibility in having to honor those sacrifices with my own excellence, you know. And it's been hard because I'm a college dropout. You know, the education system wasn't exactly responsive to the way that I learn. um, And You know, nevertheless, I wanted to make sure that I was giving back to my community. My community has always been my first love, uh, first and foremost, you know, and and, and as I got older growing up, I realized that these stories from my parents actually weren't that special, right? It wasn't different that my mom flew to Mexico and had to, you know, cross the Mexican border and it took her three days. I, I learned from my friends from all over the world, right, in, in in Queens, that their parents also had to make incredible sacrifices to come here and give us better opportunities. So th- that stays with me every day um, in, in, in the way I legislate, in the way we think about tackling the issues of income inequality, um, of the, our lack of affordable housing, um, uh, you know, fully funding our education, our schools, um, and of course, fighting for things like universal child care and, and and other things um, that we're here to make New York a better place. They they trust immigrants 
to help raise their families and clean their houses and take care of their elder parents, all of the, you know, the people who the rich treasure the most. And yet our dignity is denied uh, so often. I know that Jackson Heights is, I believe, still the most diverse place in the world. Who are the people that live there? What are their main occupations? What other sort of fun numbers Uh, can you give us? Okay, so so the district I represent has the highest concentration of uh, TLC licensees, meaning taxi drivers, whether it's yellow cab, Uber, or Lyft. Um, I have the most of the city and state of New York. I also, like I mentioned before, I have the largest transgender population, uh, which unfortunately, because they suffer so much discrimination, especially for housing and employment, means I have a lot of sex workers in my district. Um, I also have an extremely high concentration of food service workers. So, Of course, being the most diverse place on the planet means we have top-notch food. Everybody should be coming (laughs) to Jackson Heights and Corona to spend spend a little money, get some good food, wear some comfy pants um, and some comfy shoes so you can walk around our beautiful neighborhood. But it's not only the amazing restaurants that we have. Our neighbors are also the ones who run kitchens and front of the house of restaurants in Manhattan. And it's why the pandemic hit us so hard, too. Because when all of those fancy restaurants closed in Manhattan and it became a ghost town, our folks were left without a job. So a lot of them ended up becoming uh, food vendors in Corona Plaza. You can find some amazing food in Corona Plaza right now on 103rd Street and Roosevelt Avenue. Um, and, uh, and, and things started to change, but you know, we're working class people. Um, we do have some affluent people. Everybody knows that, you know, the landmark part of Jackson Heights have some folks who are quite affluent. Um, but by and large, if you own a house, you know, maybe your house rich, but I don't have any billionaires. I don't have anybody breaking the bank like that. It's people who work very hard every day trying to make ends meet to provide for their families. Um, and, and I don't like when anybody knocks their hustle. I take that very personally. Jackson Heights has a Hindu temple, a Jewish center, a Catholic church, gay queer clubs, all the things you just said, the highest population of transgender people. What have you learned from all of this diversity? You know, it's funny. I, I, this, the, that diversity is all I know. Right. I'm born being born and raised in my district. Yes, I I acknowledge that I am different from my Asian neighbors. Right. But in reality, I see more of our similarities uh, every day than anything else. Um, That's what growing up in Queens has meant to me. It's a it's an innate humanity that we grow up with. And, and that needs to be emulated in everything we do. Um, I I want to legislate from a place where I'm being as inclusive as possible because I don't like when Latinos get left behind. So you know what? I'm not going to leave behind the Filipino community or the Bangladeshi community or, you know, uh, anyone who lives in 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 my neighborhood um, because that's not right. So I, I, I want to set an example. I want our diversity to lead and set an example for other places 
to understand how coexistence can actually work because we prove it to the world every day. I don't know another place where the pride parade ends in the Muslim part of the neighborhood hmm. peacefully every every year, every year. You know, we're an amazing place. Uh, what are those similarities you mentioned? Oh, our shared humanity, right? This, you know, I, I might, somebody might be um, Tibetan, right? I have a lot of Tibetan neighbors, Nepalese neighbors. And I mean, I, I've never even been part of, in, in that part of the world yet. I'd love to go. Um, and obviously, I'm Latina, soy Colombiana, right? So chances are they might not have been there. And we might see our food and everything as different. But when we sit down and talk about those immigration stories, when we talk about how hard it is to make rent this month, all of a sudden we don't seem that different. You know, in the, in the treatment from the bosses, it's not that different. You know, when 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 I meet uh, young people who are working at Amazon, at Target, who or, or organizing at Starbucks, right, they're not that different. It, it 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 it's really about the way, the the place where we are in this economic system that's been created. So these communities interact well with each other, and if they don't, how do you build that bridge of understanding between communities? Well, you know, in in all my years, even on the community board, where obviously we're very diverse, that's a very diverse body within and of itself. I mean, we talk things out. Um, I mean, I'll give you an example. Everybody complains about the the uh, the traffic around 73rd Street and 74th Street because a lot of uh, people who come to to you know spend their money in uh, the Hindu and Muslim shops, uh, especially if they're from outside of Queens, end up double parking. And you know, if you live there, you hate it. Uh, but you know the. the those conversations have led to some improvements um, and, and you know, it's been done in a respectful way. And that's how we should be resolving uh, issues amongst neighbors is, is with diplomacy. And that's how we enact peace every day. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, State Senator Ramos is taking us outside the neighborhood all the way to Albany. Stay with us. And we are back with Queens Get the Money, State Senator Jessica Ramos. So this show is called Brown Enough. My mother's Colombian. My father's Dominican. I did not get to go to the DR as a kid. I didn't get to go to Colombia as a kid with my family. I had to go to both those places sort of on my own later in my life. I didn't feel Latino enough, brown enough, Dominican enough, Colombian enough. At, at times, Queens enough. You know, at times, I went to school in Manhattan, not Manhattan enough. Like... What is your relationship to enoughness? You know, were you Colombian enough? Were you not American enough because you were raised by Colombians? You know, are you educated enough, right? Like, are you wise enough? Are you, you didn't finish college? Like, what is your relationship to enoughness and how do you keep showing up? Well, I think my enoughness is, is actually much more related to class. Um, I mean, I have always felt Colombian enough, definitely not American enough in many instances. I think many, you know, Latino kids would agree that as you're growing up and figuring yourself out, especially around middle school and high school, you know, you 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 wrestle with that identity of, well, well, am I Colombian or am I 
American? And, you know, the, the answer is both. Uh, you are both and that's okay. You are all of the things that you are, um, that you want to be. And life really is about uh, figuring figuring that out. And, and, and it changes over time and it evolves. And it's a beautiful thing. Um it's uh it's 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 I think a struggle that a lot of people uh go through. I, I would imagine especially any child of immigrants, uh brown or not. Uh it's certainly a discussion I've had with so many of my friends growing up. Um I've definitely not felt American enough in many, many instances. Um when I've been asked, Well, were you born here? And it's like, yes, I was born here, but so what if I wasn't? You know, that doesn't that wouldn't make me any less of a person who cares where I was born. Um, And, uh, you know, I I get mistaken sometimes for other elected officials who who are immigrants themselves. Um, You know, that's not my story. I'm the daughter of immigrants. So that's a privilege that I have had. I I haven't I didn't grow up undocumented, but I remember when my parents were undocumented, you know, and, and, and it's not easy. It's not easy. So you spend a lot of time in Albany. Albany is different than Queens. So different. It's, it's so, so different. different. It's different backgrounds. The people probably look different. Uh, how do you prepare yourself to be in a less diverse setting? Probably a more white male dominated setting. Definitely. I mean, you know, it's definitely changed. The legislature is getting browner. Um uh, but unfortunately, restaurants still close very early. It's very <laughs> hard to find, um, you know, food. I I admit that, you know, being a Queens girl, I, I grew up spoiled. Um, I can have momos. I can have uh, chicken adobo. I can have, uh, you know, uh, frijoles. I can have whatever I want at any time of the day. Um, and I don't have that up there. Um, so I can that makes me very homesick really quick. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's a different world. And um, code switching is is an innate part of what we do, you know, not only as children of, of, of immigrants, but, you know, just growing up in Queens and, 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 and going up to a much more formal setting as senator, right? I, I tend to wear more suits and dress up when I'm in Albany. Um, I am in, you know, a sweatsuit today uh, when I was arguing, uh, you know, for a billionaire's tax. And I was in my office this morning and, and saw constituents, right? That's, uh, it's... Is it exhausting it's, to code switch so much? It is absolutely exhausting. Thank you for saying that. It is It is absolutely exhausting. But I also acknowledge that I think I've been doing it my whole life, you know, wanting to be understood by all of these different types of people in my life, uh, growing up around them. You know, you learn to adapt. You learn to frame things in a way that that person hopefully will be able to understand and, and, and identify with. And I am a communicator by trade. You know, before being state senator, I was the city's first director of Latino media. Um, and before that, I was um, a communicator for several unions. Um, so 
words matter to me a lot um, and and the way we connect uh, with another person, whether they're a voter or an uh, as- asylum seeker who's arriving, no matter who it is, it's really important how how we convey uh, our work and, and how we listen to, to what the needs are. So I think that communication is really important. Um, and, and, and code switching, I think, to, to children of immigrants is just natural um, to people of color in general, actually. Right. The goal of my work is to create art that creates spaces of belonging, spaces where people feel seen and know that they belong. I think you do that same thing as well. Do you feel seen when you're code switching and putting on the suit and, you know, over there in Albany? Or... Yes, because I'm loud. You know, when I no, I'm serious. When I get to Albany, I very quickly figured out that nobody was going to give me anything and that I was going to have to be a shark and fight for the bills that I got passed. Nobody was going to do me any favors, you know. Um, so I, I, I actually I learned to be much more aggressive in 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 my professional demeanor um, than than I had been in the past. Um, I I am there to, you know to fight the status quo. I'm there to change systems. I'm there to get my people money. Um, Queens get the money, baby. Like that, it literally, <laughs> and I say it all the time, even on the floor of the Senate, I say Queens get the money all the time because that's why I'm there. Um, and I have no shame in my game about it. Um, whether I'm wearing a suit or whether I'm in my Jordans, doesn't matter. There are so many needs. You can't handle them all. How do you deal with that? Well, I have colleagues, and and I I don't want to lead all the fights. Actually, um, I have uh, allies in the legislature, and whether they're in the Senate or the Assembly, and I I try to follow their lead on on other issues as well. You know, it's it it's a group of people who are trying to make change happen, and I I don't want to lead all the fights. I want to leave room for other people to lead. Sometimes I'm a follower, and that's a good thing. And sometimes I don't see anybody doing anything, and I get frustrated and decide that, you know, I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna wage the fight, and 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 that's fine too. How do you take care of yourself? Oh, I'm big on the morning routine, and this is something I learned. So my freshman year, I'm getting a little personal here. I've actually never talked about this stuff. Um, my freshman year is when I was going through separation as well. Um, and so I wasn't uh, loving myself uh, the way I should. And I hit a size, uh, a size 14. Um, I was weighing 175 pounds, which for a short Latina you know, is is quite a lot. Um, and the doctor set me straight and told me to get it together. So, you know, I, I started putting together a morning routine, making sure I was meditating, making sure I was working out. Um, and, and then it's about working on that discipline and that consistency to see the results. Um, so I, I lost, I lost, uh, 50 pounds and, um, I'm feeling better. I have more energy. Um, but it's about loving your body and loving your mind. You know, I go to therapy every week. That is really important to me. Um, uh, you know, 
in our community, especially the Latino community, uh, we think that, you know, terapia es pa locos. And terapia, <laughs> terapia is for everybody, you know. De loco todos tenemos un poco. We're all going through stuff, especially now, especially in the last few years. People are, you know, grieving a loved one, grieving a job, grieving a, a life change. And it's okay to talk about that stuff. It's okay to not be okay, you know. Mm. Um, so I had to, I had to go, you know, talk to a, a professional and she's been helping me. She's been fantastic. And I, I, I my only wish is that everybody has access, uh, to a therapist, you know. I've said it head. a million times. Shout out to Jeremy. You know, that's my therapist. Oh, <laughs> Jocelyn is mine. <laughs> shout out shout, Jocelyn. Shout out to Jocelyn and Jeremy doing work. Uh, how long do you see yourself being Senator of District 13? Um, you know, I don't have term limits. I can be a senator forever, but I do believe in term limits, so I won't be. Um, I think I have a few more years uh, in me, um, and then I will see where my career takes me. I, you know, I've been in public service for a very long time. Um, I come from the labor movement, uh, so you know, the world is my oyster. Um, I turn I turned thirty eight this year. I Congratulations! Still, I still no, I still have a you know yeah. a lot to do. In the this world life. is your oyster. God willing, inshallah. Is there anyone, any field, doesn't have to be politics, any field, any neighbor, anyone that you'd like to put on blast right now? You're like, yo, this person is doing incredible stuff. Check them out. That's a good question. Well, look, someone who I admire right now tremendously are the folks over at the Amazon Labor Union. Okay? These are mostly black and brown young people who had been working for Amazon, being mistreated, uh, being forced to work harder and faster because of stupid algorithm. And they decided to say, F, the richest man in the world, we're going to organize and we're going to form a union and we're going to force you to come to the table and bargain with us a contract. And you know what? It's working. They organized. They won the election. They just got certified as a union. They're officially a bargaining unit. And now Amazon's going to have to come to the table and negotiate with them. I mean, that is power. That is power. So shout out to Chris Smalls. Uh, shout out to Derek, to Brent Daniels, to Justine, to everybody over at the Amazon Labor Union. All black and brown people who are really making it happen right now. All right, y'all. Before we ended this conversation, I had to ask Senator Ramos for some help. Now, we got this new playlist on Spotify, y'all. It's called Brown Enough Musical Companion, and it is extremely dope. And I wanted to know who she thinks we should add. So... We have this Brown Enough Spotify playlist with some of our favorite songs by Brown artists. Do you have a song you would like to add to it? Hmm. I mean, I'm from Queens. I love my Mob Deep and my Nas. Great. Um, I've been listening to Twins a lot to pump me up. Big pun. <laughs> this is amazing. Great. Ready for war, Joe? How you want to blow these spots? I know these dirty cops that'll get us in if we murder some wop. I want to thank you for being the queen of queens. Uh, <laughs> I don't like monarchies, but I, I accept the compliment. Thank you. <laughs> uh, take it. The world is your oyster. I'm very grateful for you and your time. Thanks for having me. 
All right, Jessica, we just added some big puns to the playlist. Thank you very much. If you want to continue to see what Senator Ramos is up to, the change she is making, follow her Twitter at Jessica Ramos or her Instagram. That's underscore Jessica Ramos underscore. I appreciate you. Peace and love. Brown Enough is a production of Stitcher. It's created and hosted by me, Christopher Rivas, and I'm also an executive producer. Our team includes producers Manolo Morales, senior producer Abigail Keel, technical director Casey Holford, production assistant Gabriella Gladney, and executive producer Camille Stanley. Original music by Casey Holford. Special thanks to Brendan Burns and Abby Aguilar. Workhouse Media is a contributing producer to this podcast. Carlos E. Hernandez of Ikigai Management is also an executive producer of Brown Enough. Don't forget to subscribe or follow Brown Enough so you never miss an episode. Thanks. Witness Docs from Stitcher.